Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. Hello, this is the Forest Spotlight on Nature Program Marketing. And before we dive into that, I just wanted to say, as a little bit of uh, housekeeping, that the Forest Educator Podcast Patreon account is up and rolling. It is live, and there is a link in our show notes. So you could go there if you are able to support this podcast getting out. And it does cost me money to get this out to you with, I do have a small team of people that really help support me because I have some with special needs and I have our own programs that we're running and everything. So they help me with some of the editing and uploading and all that. So if there's any way you can support it at any level, that would be great. It's not expected. We just won't mostly want to get this information out to all of you, but go there. It's in the show notes. Check it out. You can still be a member of that Patreon community without donating or supporting anything, it, that's fine too. We, I just want to build community with all of you. So go there, join that if you can. The other thing I wanted to mention is also that on my website, foresteducator.com, if you go there at the bottom of the page on any page, there is a link to sign up for the Forest Educator newsletter. And that gets you into that community. I only usually send out like once or twice a month an email, but it gives you like bonuses and anything that we have for the podcast that has to do with supporting PDF files or audio recordings or, and there's also a discount code. Check those out and hopefully you can join us there if you want to get early announcements for program openings and so forth. So anyway, thanks a lot. I appreciate you. And let's get back to the show. Okay, so today we're talking about, and this is an unwieldy title, the five nature program marketing mistakes that I've seen most often and how to fix them. One of the problems that nature programs often have is that the people who are running them you or me or whoever's the director or the program manager or however you want to call it, the owner, business owner, most of the time we are better trackers and we're better craft people. We're better naturalists than we are marketing and communication specialists. And I know that has been true for most of my career it may not be as true now because I do think that a lot of people are on Instagram, they're on Facebook already. The generations after my generation have grown up with more and more, they're more tied in with internet marketing and building audiences and so forth. This may be getting easier for a lot of you, but I wanted to just point out some of these things and support you all because most of the time, we generally are better at the other things. We're better at creating transformational programs or leading a forest school, or we're doing tracking programs, whatever it is. When we're doing those things, oftentimes we're 
fully absorbed and being present in the moment. So we oftentimes forget to take pictures. We don't usually get a lot of pictures of ourselves doing things and teaching. And the marketing part can sometimes be this thing that we do at uh, one in the morning, trying to remember to update our website or make a flyer to get out there and try to fill a program or whatever. And that is all understandable. And at the same time, when I think of like wilderness survival skills, I would oftentimes think of what is the priority in my survival, right? If I was lost in the woods, like what would be my priorities? I need to build a shelter. I need to make fire. I need to get some tools. I need to figure out how to get out of there or get comfortable and settle in for a month or whatever it might be. You have certain priorities for yourself in that in that scenario. And I really want to express this in a, I don't know how to really tell everyone about this with the, the proper emphasis. And that is when you're in a survival situation, those priorities are critical. If you fail to really understand what the sequence of things are that are so important, then there are big consequences. If you don't have shelter and there's an oncoming storm, there's you may not make it or your friends might not make it or something might happen that will make it much, much harder for you to survive. The same thing is true if you're running a nature program. However, your priorities are not going to be shelter, water, fire, food. You have other priorities, which is like looking at building your business and getting a way to communicate and connect with people that want to learn about your programs. They want your services. They want what you have. They want to take your tracking certification program and your, your testing uh, situation there. They, they want to enroll their kids in your summer camp. They want to, you know, hire you to come in and teach their fourth grade class. Like all these things happen, but they only happen if you do certain things correctly. And marketing is one of those priorities. It's If it's not number one, it's probably should be number two. And I know that most of us don't really want to do it or like it sometimes because it can feel, I don't know, it can feel, I don't want to say this, but it can feel dirty because you're like, oh, I don't want to be like a car salesman. I don't want to be that person who's really annoying, posting all the time and just getting out there and bothering people. We're, we're usually also humble. We don't really want to toot our own horn or tell everyone how great we are because that's not, that's not important to us to be seen as better or anything. However, we do have to find those people who want what we have to offer and who are really looking for that. And there's a lot of ways that we can get a little bit better and even a little bit better will increase your ability to fill your programs. For the 30-something years, 35 years or whatever that I've run like Hawk Circle Wilderness programs, there's a huge difference. I can tell you right now that if you have a program that can take 15 children and you only have eight children and you do that all summer, you will have a much harder time not only doing those programs and running them because you're trying to pay staff and everything else, but you will be 
have a lot of problems down the road because you're going to have financial complica complications or consequences. And even if you have, say, 12 people in the program, getting those last three people to fill those seats and, and to get that experience, those are really helpful. So most of you, you're running your programs out there. You probably really need your programs to be filled at least a minimum level in order for you to have a good year and for you to be able to continue doing what you're doing. And the way to do that is through paying attention to your marketing. It's like in the wilderness, if you want to eat and you're a fisher, someone who fishes or hunts or traps or whatever, you're trying to, you know, wild foods or whatever, you're going to have to do your studying. You're going to have to do some practice. You're going to have to do research. So if you want to go out there and harvest a bunch of wild foods and you want a variety of them, you want to make sure you can eat when you need to, that means you're going to have to practice with your bow and arrow. It means you're going to have to crack open your field guides. You got to read and learn and get to know and do the work so that you can then make that getting food easy. And the same is true for marketing. So let's just jump in and go through these five things that are mistakes that I've seen. Please, if you're listening to this and we're friends, don't, don't think that I'm talking about you. In most cases, I'm probably not talking about any of you at all. So if you feel seen and you're like, oh no, that's okay. Don't worry. Everybody's in the same boat. I've actually, I struggle with doing one or two of these and I'll tell you about that too as we go through it. But just be aware that making these mistakes only makes you human and we're, we've all been there. I can say easily that three of these are things that I didn't even know about and a couple of them are still things I struggle with. We're all in the same boat trying to help each other out. The very first one I want to say is basically posting about your opportunity, your camp, your program, your school experience, your forest school, your preschool, your expedition, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, posting about it once or twice and then sitting back and waiting for people to show up. That is a killer <laughs> because you basically need to really have seven to 10 times where people, you post and people see it before people will actually click on and register or go to your website or whatever, like seven to 10 times. I would even say it's closer to 12 times. So if you get out there and you're like, hey, I've got this great program, it's I'm gonna be doing mushrooms or I'm gonna do wild edible foods, or I'm doing a tracking program or whatever it is you're doing, you've got a women's circle or whatever, you can't just put it out once or twice, three months before or a year before or six months, and then hope that they find it. And you'll go, well, it's on my website. You can't do that because people need to be reminded. They need to see it, then they need to see it again, they need to see it again because they just won't act on that first time. So seven to 10 times you have to do it. And yes, in from your perspective, you will be posting a, a ton and it will feel like you're really gonna be annoying everyone. And so it can be very uncomfortable 
to do this. But basically, when you're going to promote something that you have to be prepared to get it out there, you have to be able to share something about it and ideally share it in different ways so that people can really understand what they're what they're getting and what they're what will be exciting for them. And if you just don't do it enough, they won't they'll just be like, oh yeah, I meant to sign up for that. You'll hear people that will say that and they'll be like, oh yeah, I only saw, I saw that once, but then I never could find the post again. Remember on social media, if you put a post out, it's gone in a very short period of time. If you're on Instagram, people can go back and find your posts and stuff, but many times they just won't. They'll just scroll through, see what people are doing, and then they generally don't go and say, oh, let me look at so-and-so's Instagram or Facebook and let me scroll back for two weeks and see what, oh, there's an ac activity or an event or something that you're doing. Oh, okay, let me check it out. Most people won't do that. So you've got to get that out seven to 10 times at least. And this is where you actually will say, and, and this is what I do when I'm about to launch a program is that I will have a launch plan. I will actually plan what I'm going to be posting every three days or five days. I'm going to be posting something and getting it out there so that I can start filling that program. And that is the one of the biggest mistakes I've seen program uh, people do. I remember seeing uh, someone post a class. It was a survival class. And I remember they posted it like, I don't know, a month or so. I remember seeing that post. And this is probably like six, six or seven years ago. And they posted it on Facebook. They posted it. There wasn't, I don't think Instagram was even around, but they posted it on there and they were like, hey, you guys asked for this class. So check it out. Here it is. I'm, I'm doing a class for all of you that wanted this special program. And then about... <laughs> About a week before the program or 10 days before the program, I saw this other post that this person made and they said, Hey, you guys, why are, why isn't, why are none of you posting or signing up and registering? Why is no one registering for this program? You guys asked for it. I put it all together and you guys are not signing up and I don't know what's happening but we're not going to have it if, it if you guys aren't going to get on the ball. And that when I saw that, I was like, oh no, that you're, he's assuming that people are just ignoring him or whatever. And that's very common because when we, when people, when we put something out of ourselves that we really craft something, we make this great workshop, we plan it, we want it to be really awesome and it can feel really personal. And then when there's crickets, and nobody signs up, it can feel like, oh, no one cares about me. I, no one wants to be part of my thing. And that doesn't feel good. And so then all of a sudden that frustration starts coming out in your marketing. So you really don't want to do that. You have to just plan it out and say, oh, I'm going to do this post. I'm going to do another post. I'm going to do another post. I'm going to just remind people about this opportunity and keep it light, keep it fun, keep it something that will, for some people, they might be seeing it for the very first time. And you really want to do that 
not right the week before. It's very difficult for somebody to take off 10 days to go on your survival thing with six days notice. Nobody can do that, okay? Most people in today's world have a job, they have family, they have obligations. So you have to plan that way in advance. So anyway, jump in on this and, and put that down, circle that and say, plan the launch seven to 10 times. Probably you're going to need to post something about maybe 12 or 15 times so that until you get it filled. All right. Number two, misunderstanding who your ideal client or student or participant is. So this one I've seen people do a lot. And it's something that I've seen where usually it's through some of my coaching programs where I've been like talking to people who are wilderness people and they'll say, okay, so who's your ideal client? And they'll say, anyone, anyone that wants to take it. This is the ideal client. And I understand where they're coming from. They're like saying, hey, if I've got 20 people and they're all different ages, whatever, I don't care. I'll teach anyone. And that's awesome. I'm glad that you can teach anyone. I'm glad that you're willing. And yes, you're right. However, the more generic your program is, then the harder it is to fill because nobody really knows what they're going to get and who this is targeted to. In other words, if you're doing a program for college age students, try to really say, hey, this is for these people. And I know that the tendency is to go, I don't want to shut anyone out. Plus, I also want that extra income. If I get four people who are coming who aren't part of that demographic, oh no, then I'll lose that money and, and that income, which it may be true. So most of the time, your programs and the people that are attending who really love what you do, you have to think about who they are and you have to think about what makes them your ideal client and really dial in on, if you're trying to fill a school program schedule and you go out to schools and do that. So you want to really then think, okay, who is going to actually be signing up for my programs and bringing me into their school? It's going to be fifth grade social studies teachers, or it's going to be seventh grade earth science teachers, or it's going to be the activity uh, coordinator for extracurricular uh, events at a local college. Or like you have to think of who they are and then really plan your marketing to appeal to them. And that's how you get very specific. And if you don't get that specific about it, you're going to be in trouble. The other thing I'm going to mention about this, because it goes in the same vein, is that oftentimes people who've been doing this work for a long time, especially starting 10, 20 years ago, they oftentimes are like, I don't really want to build an online. I don't want to get people's email. That, that seems in, annoying. Most people don't want to give your email. They don't want to get a newsletter. Eh, it's a lot of work. I don't know if I have time to do it or whatever. That is true. All those things are somewhat true. However, if you don't start to build a community of people who really love what you do and you don't have any way to communicate with them, then you might have 500 people, 1,000 people, 2,000 people that love what you do 
And if you can't actually get in front of them and say, hey, here's an email that tells about my upcoming programs in next su- next summer or next spring, you're not going to fill your program, even though there are people that are loving what you don't have any way to connect with them. And if you're doing it for 10 years, man, you're leaving so much money on the table, number one, that you could use to take care of your business and keep things going. And you're also missing out on those people getting the benefits of your work. So you just have to commit to that and say, all right, I'm going to build an email list. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to start to connect that. I'm going to communicate and I'm going to begin that process. It's not that hard. Believe me, I've been doing this for 35 years and I'm telling you every new thing that came out, I was around when constant contact came out as an email, new email server and an email database and everything. And I was like one of the first clients of constant contact and I used constant contact for, I don't know, 15 years. And it's a great platform as you just want to think it through and figure it out. And, and it, it's just part of your job. Okay. You, you might want to just focus on wild edibles or whatever you're doing, but this is really important because if you don't have this, you're going to struggle, believe me. So big, it's a huge help to be able to fill those programs by letting people that actually want to know. Another thing that's part of this, I mean, that's tied to this is the understanding the lifespan of your customer. For example, for the Hawk Circle Wilderness program, we had a mailing list, like a real mailing list, not email, but we had mailing list that had, I think, 11,000 names on that email list of people over like 25 years. And I would, we would send out mailings like twice a year or whatever. It was really expensive. Postage was much cheaper then, but it was still expensive because you're having paper and your stuff in envelopes or you're making a folded newsletters or whatever. And you're getting that out. It's just so many people to send it to. And when I turned around and went, Hey, everybody, I'm going to just let everybody know. So for this one year, I just spent out all my emails and notices, all anything I wrote and sent to them all had join our email newsletter to get current information, go to our website and then get on there. Or here's the link because I was trying to get people to get off of that. And eventually I said, this is the last thing you're going to get. And then we're not doing mailings anymore. And I think out of that 11,000 people, we got about 2,500 people that actually jumped on our email list. And at the time, everybody that I was working with at Hawk Circle were like, oh, that's too bad. Oh, I can't believe all those other people don't care or whatever. And I said, that's not really true. Those are people that have been on the list and they get our stuff. But probably what happens is that if just because somebody takes a tracking class or a fire making class 10 years earlier or five years earlier doesn't mean they're still interested in it now, five years later. Like they're just, you, people will age out. They will have other priorities. And sometimes what you're excited about when you're 16, isn't what you're excited about when you're 25. And that doesn't mean they don't care, but they're just not going to be your, they're not your ideal customer anymore because now they're in college and then they got out and they got a job and then they're like working somewhere and then they have 
a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something that's going down. And they're just not in that frame of mind anymore. So they're, they've moved on. Sometimes we'd send it to parents. And when parents go, all right, I'm no longer planning opportunities for my kid because they're in college. At that point, it's okay for those people to move on. So for the most part, my client list or whatever is the lifespan is about three to four years. So people either are wanting to take something with me and then after it, within three to four years, they're probably in a different stage. Your life, your, the lifespan of your customer may be different, but you have to understand and study this a little bit. And again, these are really key things that are going to really help your marketing and really help you understand how to reach people, who they are, all of that good stuff. Another element is where are they coming from? Who you have to dial, you have to figure out. And one of the ways to figure it out is to ask the people that have been taking your classes, Hey, what are you interested in? Where, why did you take this program? What are you getting out of it? How is it helping you? Is it helping you in your family life or is it helping you to be more out into nature or helping you with your, what are you taking this wild mushroom class because you're a chef and you're going to bring that into your restaurant because you're incorporating wild foods or are you taking this tracking class because you're a biology major and you do studies with animals and wildlife <laughs> surveys and so forth. Like you're getting a sense of like where the, those people are, where they're coming from, why they're coming, why they're attending and spending the money and time and energy and effort to put it all together. So these are things that um, will help you to begin that process and make your marketing way more effective. Way, I'm telling you, when I learned a lot of this stuff, as I learned it, and then as I got much better at it and started studying it, it really helped me in a huge way. We'll move on. <laughs> Sorry. I could keep going about any one of these topics for at least an hour. So we don't have an hour to talk about each one. We're going to try to keep going. All right. Number three, your marketing can't be repetitive or boring. Okay. This is a big one that a lot of people struggle with because they will make a flyer or a poster or a graphic or whatever, they'll put it out on their website, they'll do a bunch of things, and then they'll just use that same thing over and over again. And it's okay to use your logo over and over again, but your marketing should be like interesting and give them a understanding that you are, you understand them and that you get them. And it has to be something that is innovative. If it's boring, then it becomes invisible. Today's world, man, people, when they're online, to get someone to stop scrolling and actually click on your website or click on and follow whatever, it is hard, okay? It's hard to do. So it has to be attention grabbing. It has to be something that is not like everyone else. So in other words, if you're putting out a forest program, you're like, hey, I got this forest kindergarten program I'm trying to fill it. And you're just posting like endless pictures of kids crawling over a log and kids playing with mud and all that. And you're just like, hey, risky play or whatever. Man, don't be afraid to not be the same as every other forest school. 
Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that it's necessarily working, okay? So it's okay to be innovative. It's okay to look at what is good marketing? What are things that grab your attention? What make you what makes you stop and go, ooh, what's this? Okay. So it's really helpful. If you're doing print ads, I don't know if anybody's even doing print ads, but it used to be that if I was doing print ads, which is putting an ad in a magazine or a newspaper or something, I usually would go through a bunch of different newspapers and other publications and say, hey, what is it? What are the ads that stand out to me? And what grabs my attention? What communicates a lot in just one image with a little bit of text? That's really important to do, to just look and say, as you're scrolling, I know everybody goes like, oh, there's always ads on Instagram now. Oh, there's ads on Facebook. And you know what? Yeah, there are. And that's just life. That's just how it is. It's the same is true if you're watching like regular TV and you're like, oh, there's a mattress ad. Oh, there's a drug company ad or whatever. There's a Toyota sale or whatever. There's a sale-a-thon or whatever you want to call it. Think about when you see these ads, what is it that grabs you and what is a good ad versus what is one that is just forgettable. And you have to be critical about it. So that's one of the ways to fix that is to just look and see and go, hey, how can I take something and just turn it a little bit to make it more grabby? And it's a really creative process and it's fun to learn about. And you can even just Google how to make a really fun, interesting, innovative ad or uh, post or whatever. And there's a lot of people that will help you to learn how to do this better and give you examples. So think about that and just say, hey, don't take the easiest route because if you do the easiest route and you just repeat what everybody else is doing, there's a good chance that your marketing is not going to stand out. And if it doesn't stand out, guess what? Your program's not going to fill. And if it doesn't fill, then next thing you know, you're going to be like, hey, I'm doing construction all next summer instead of running your wilderness camp. So you don't want to do that, ideally, I would think. So, or maybe you do half and half. I don't know, but getting good at marketing is really key for this. And it helps if you have a, a team of people or a couple people that want to get in on it and get excited about it. That's a big help. There are groups, Facebook groups and stuff that might, with your community of people and professionals doing this, that might support each other too. So jump, jump in on that. And yeah, message me if you need help too. Anyway, number four, not enough info. Not, doesn't include a call to action. So for example, in a lot of time, in, in a lot of posts that I've seen, let me start over. So number four, not giving people enough information on your website, your Instagram post, your Facebook ad, or wherever you're posting, right? You have to give them a call to action. You have to give them something that they, you want them to do. Do you want them to click to go to your website? Do they want you to, do you want them to register right now? Or do you, they, do they want you, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to call you? Do you want them to message you? It's really important that they understand at the somewhere in the ad, preferably something big, 
not massive, but big enough for them to stand out to go call now or whatever. If your marketing doesn't have that, if you have the number to call and it's like at eight point type at the very bottom of your ad, no one's going to see it and no one's going to call. Okay. Maybe one person might see it, but most of the people will go, eh, this person isn't even really, I don't even know where, what I'm supposed to do. And so then if they don't know, if they're, if they are struggling to figure out what you want, it's a no, because they're just going to move on. Okay. Because you've made it too hard for them and now they're out. And guess what? They're going to go to whoever's doing it better than you. And they're going to sign up on their thing because they have a big thing that says sign up now. So you have to have something that will help them understand what you're trying to do. And you want to give them information. Like you want them to understand if, is there an urgency? If you've only got like 20 spots in your program or eight spots or 12 or whatever it is, just say there are eight spots in my program for this wild foods apprenticeship that you're doing, whatever. And then just say, Hey, I've got eight spots. That's it. And then in your marketing two weeks later, say there are six spots. Like it's really important for people to know that because otherwise they'll be like, oh, I don't know. I guess I can sign up at the last minute. I don't really have, I don't know if I should, you know, really go for this in, and you want to let them know, Hey, here's the deadline to sign up. The last day to sign up is blank, whatever that date is. So this is really key here. Let them know what your offer is. Let them know what, if there's a limited space available, let them know that if there's urgency, tell them what you want them to do. If you don't have that, you're going to be, you're going to be dead in the water. It would be like trying to go fishing with a fish hook with no bait on it or setting a trap with no bait or going out and saying, oh, I'm going to go hunting. And then you go, oh yeah, I don't have any arrows, but I got my bow and I'm out here. I'm in the right spot. Like you have to have some way for them to know that. It's also really important that think about that person signing up or getting more information. Give them the information of where are you located? Who are you? Who's running it? get a picture of you and put that on there so that people know you're a real person and don't get one where you're covered in camouflage or where you're wearing like dark sunglasses with a hat or whatever. You're not the Unibomber. Okay. Just get a nice professional photo of you that somebody can take that just as a nice photo. And you know what? You probably aren't going to like that photo of yourself if you're humble and don't really want it to be all about you. But if you're going to spend time in the woods with somebody for days and days on these, like on a wilderness track or in an apprenticeship, people want to see who you are. Who am I going to spend the time with? And if it's a zero, if it's, there's nobody there, then they're like, I don't know. This could be, why aren't they showing me? And if it's something that's scary, you might think you look cool in those mirror shades. Save that for your personal Instagram page. You can look cool all you want but let people see your eyes. Let them see who you are as a person and get that out there, okay? And that kind of brings me to my last one, which is number five. You have to build and understand the concept of the know and trust factor. And this took me a while to learn this as well. But essentially, people, there's a process in which people get to know you. 
And, and then they have to make a decision of, do I know you? Do I trust? Do I like you? Do I trust you? And the longer you're going to spend in the woods with someone, or you're, if someone says, hey, I'm going to put my kid in your summer camp, they have to trust because they're going to give you the most precious thing in their world to them, which is their 12-year-old daughter or their 14-year-old son or their nine-year-old son or whatever, or child or whatever it is, right? Whoever it is, whatever age, if they're going to do that, they are absolutely going to need to trust you and to know that you have their best intentions and that you're going to keep them safe and all the things. And that is really important for you to then build that relationship with them. If you're just doing a short program, if you're like, hey, it's a two-hour program for tracking or whatever, eh, somebody will sign up, they'll take it. They're like, it's not that big of a risk. I'm out of here in two hours. So if this guy's terrible or this person's not good, I'm out of here. In other words, you can get people who just show up. However, the longer it is and the more, even if somebody's taking like a weekend workshop and you're doing a full day on a Saturday doing, I don't know, a mushroom walk or a wilderness survival skills thing, giving up a whole Saturday is a big deal for people, especially if you're working all week. They want to make sure that you're not like some creepy person that you're going to be, they're going to be spending with that. You're going to be like, Ooh, this is cringy. How, how can I get out of here? It's like a commitment that you're, they're making a commitment to you to be there, but they really need to like trust that, that they're going to have a good time because that's, they don't have a lot of time. They have to go back to work and they need to, they need to then do all the things that they would have done on Saturday, like their laundry and grocery shopping and meal prep, whatever. They got to now do it on Sunday. So that means that in order to do that, they're giving up something. So you've got to be able to build something with them, a rapport with them. And that no trust factor is all about them getting to know who you are. Why are you doing what you do? What is it that you love about being out in the forest or being doing this kind of work? Or what is it like for someone to be part of your program? How do you feel about students? I, I remember being with some instructors that kind of would just be really sarcastic all the time. And they were just like, oh yeah, I had a student once that just did this and this and they were terrible. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I'm a student. Other people are students. If you're talking crap about them, then that means that you're telling me that you're going to probably talk and smack about that, about me. And no one wants to hear that. I don't know. There's probably some people that go, yeah, people are terrible. And they'll probably join in and be like, yeah, that's it. But the reality is that they, you want to know who you're spending time with. And if you do know an instructor like that, you can then just avoid them because you go, yeah, I'm going to save my weekend for being with people that aren't struggling or whatever. Just know that it's you have to build a connection with them and you have that means that they have to know you and they have to trust you and uh, they have to like you, right? So they have to have some of those things there to get this going. Now, I'm going to just back up and say this is not always true. If you're doing something that they absolutely need in the moment, then Oftentimes they'll skip the no and trust because their need is so great. For example, 
if I have a broken arm, I'm not going to be like, hey, the ambulance driver, I got to get to know you and then I got to get to like you and then I got to trust that you're going to take me to the hospital. No, you're just like, get me to the hospital, man. Thank you very much. <laughs> Can you get me there? Can you get me there without causing me a lot of pain? I really will appreciate that. Boom. The If someone says, hey, I have a mousetrap that's going to get these mice that are coming in and crawling all over your counters, you're going to then go, all right, what do I need? I need to get these mice out of my house. Therefore, you have a need. And so you're going to look at who can help you get that need done. So the more urgent their situation, if somebody goes, I need these wilderness skills, they might not care whether they don't or like, or like you or trust you. They just want to go and say, this person seems okay. All right, I'm just signing up. And sometimes I've seen that with parents where they will be like, oh no, my kid's really struggling. And they're just going to sign their kid up for 10 different things because they're just like panicking. And that's when I see that happen, I'm like, hey, let's have a conversation because I want to get to know you guys. And I want to get to know why are you worried or why are you signing up for all these things? And you don't even know us. You don't even, or you're not asking me any questions. You're not having a conversation. And I want to make sure that, that this situation is good for all of us and that you're not just panicking and then putting a, your son or daughter in our program when they might not be right for it. So these are all part, this is all part of the process of learning how to communicate and you communicate this no and trust by putting out a quote about what you believe, or you put out something that shares a story you get to know, share what you like. And if they go, Hey, I like, what do you like? I love squirrels or I love, I love wolves or I love chickadees or something. And you go, all right, cool. Look, there's a really cool picture of that chickadee. And you can say why you love them and what you admire about them or whatever. And those are things that people can then make a choice of. Yeah. I like this person. Yeah. I don't really like chickadees that much, but I like the way they think. And they, this person's making me think in new ways. So I'm in. So this is all part of the process. And you can't just expect people to trust you right away just because you hang your shingle out and you go, hey, I'm at ABC Mountain Survival Wilderness Program or something. Just because you put that out doesn't mean anything. And it's very difficult to get people's attention these days because their attention span is 0. 0.0005 or something of a second before they go. They're really smart at looking at marketing and then moving on real fast and being like, okay, nope, nope, boring, nope. And in order to do that, you have to think about these things and you have to share and you have to connect. So making that connection, really important. And, but all of this is going to help you. If you can listen to this, you might want to listen to this over and take notes or think about it because I'm covering a lot of things really quickly. But the main idea that I'm telling you is if you go through some of this and start putting it together, it's going to help you fill your program, be able to do what you do and have t-shirts or <laughs> have a really good time or be able to keep doing it. Or maybe it helps you to be able, you make enough money to hire a staff person that makes your life easier, better, ideally. And all of it will, will come down to, it, it really will not just magically happen. The only way that I can say for most people, if you run, if you're like working in a 
large program where they have a whole marketing team, whatever, and you all you don't have to worry about marketing, then obviously all this you don't have to care because you're like, whatever, I'm not even part of that. And awesome. That's awesome. Or if you have like, if you're just like, Hey, I'm a science teacher and I, I have 30 kids every half hour that show up for my science. You're just, you're in a system where there's lots and lots of students all the time. So you, you don't have to worry about this, but for most of us, we are either like directors of a nonprofit or you have an LLC or you have a sole proprietor business and we have to be the educator and packing all the stuff and we need to be thinking ahead and we're the program development person. We're also hiring. We're the manager of our staff or the schedule manager and we're also answering emails and we're always going shopping and we're doing everything. And ideally you really want to have your program filled so that if you're going to do all that work, at least you can then take a day off once in a while, or who knows, maybe be able to buy a new muffler for your car or whatever it is. Please let me know if this is helpful. I And again, if any of you are guilty of doing some of these things, I am guilty too. The thing that I struggle with the most is that I just get really busy. So I don't always post as much as I should. That's pretty much my, one of the things that I struggle with. And then the other element that I don't oftentimes really communicate about, Hey, there's our mailing list or Hey, trying to make sure that I'm putting my launch together and really dialing in. And that's mostly because I'm just trying to do way too many things. So that's on me, but I'm working on it. And the bottom line is I know when I look at a program and I'm like, oh, I only had three people in the program. You're like, yeah, that's because for September, October, November, I was like running classes the entire time and I didn't have time to promote. And then guess what? You don't get your programs not filled. So you really have to, <laughs> you can then point to it and go, yep, this is the consequence because I didn't do this or this is the consequence because I did do it. And look, I've got a full program or whatever. Anyway, let me know what you think. If you have something you think should be added to the list, that'd be great. Happy to do another class. It could be a nature program marketing part two or something. And yeah, I just want to say before we jump off, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for taking the risk to do this work. It is a risk professionally and or personally it's a it takes a lot out of people <laughs> to do it and i really appreciate it cuz i i know how hard it is and thank you and i wish you the best we'll see you next week thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature you can get access to the bonus episodes my forest educator nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.